So Krishna went to Krishna went to Indraprastha and he met with Mother Kunti and Pandavas they were very happy to meet him. Pandavas from the childhood were attracted to Krishna. And so when Krishna came, Kunti asked how everyone was in Dwarka. And Kunti also complained that we had gone through all these difficulties, but uh, my brother did not hmm, come and see us. So, hmm, at the same time, she could also understand that her brother Basudev also was going through great difficulties uh, inflicted by Kamsa. He also was going through a lot of distress. And then <coughs> Kunti told about the difficulties that they had gone through. And this actually makes one really wonder why the devotees of Krishna had to go through all these difficulties. But then again, when we go deep into it, then we see that devotees actually don't go through difficulties. Uh, they appreciate what situation they are placed into. Because uh, the devotees derive their joy in speaking about Krishna, hearing about Krishna. Like when, uh, in that respect we can also consider Lord Ramchandra apparently went through the difficulties of going through the forest. But it has been described, why did Lord Ramchandra go to the forest? Is it because he was cursed, that's why he went to the forest? Or not cursed, but uh, mother, his stepmother, conspiracy that he went to the forest. Yes, that is the apparent cause. But the actual cause, the actual reason is Lord Ramchandra came and why did he come? Paritranaya uh, sadhunam. So sadhus, uh, most of the sadhus were in the forest. Uh, all these exalted sages, rishis, munis, and Lord Ramchandra, they are deriving uh, the joy of associating with Lord Ramchandra. In order to give them his association, Lord Ramchandra went to the forest. And when the devotees see the Lord, how do they feel? And when the Lord feels the deceased, the devotees, how does he feel? 
So this is how uh, the actual cause of Lord's being in the forest, going to the forest, is to associate with the saintly personalities. And also, while he was there, he killed so many demons. Because these demons were causing distress to the saintly personalities. So he just wiped them out, killed them. So, <clears throat> similarly, Bhima, as we mentioned yesterday, he was poisoned. Like, yes, it's a terrible act, and what Bhima went through, what Kunti and other four brothers went through due to, during that time, was naturally very, very distressful. But what was the ultimate outcome? Bhima went to Patalaloka and drank nectar. And he came back becoming hmm, thousand times more powerful. Bad luck for Durijatan. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but still Kunti Devi kept on telling how Bhima was poisoned when he was just a little child. Uh, he was, uh, he went to Pataloka and uh, she was glorifying Krishna. By your mercy, he came back. And not only he came back, he came back acquiring the strength of 10,000 war elephants. Then <clears throat> the Pandavas were gaining a great popularity because their nature was so good that the citizens were very much attracted to them. And they could also see that how uh, Dhritarashtra is not treating them well. And that kind of aroused their appreciation and sympathy even more. People are cursing Dhritarashtra that the old man is not only blind, uh, he is blind in all respects. One may be blind uh, materially, physically, but worst is when one is spiritually blind. Uh, Prabhupada mentioned that point. Dhritarashtra was not only materially blind, he was spiritually blind as well. He did not consider, due to his affection for Duryodhana, he did not even consider the consequences. The way he was acting, what would happen to him. And his foremost well-wisher was Bidura, and Bidura was advising him all along in the most pertinent way. Uh, when Durjodhana was born, then Vidura saw the sign that this boy, newborn, will be the cause of the destruction of the whole family, whole dynasty. It's not just a family, it's a dynasty of kingdom, royal dynasty is going to be destroyed. So he told him at that time, get rid of this child. 
and but Dhritarashtra could not. Uh, he was uh, very he was extremely affectionate towards Duryodhana. And then as Duryodhana grew up, everybody could see the evil qualities that he was displaying. So as if the, paint, the painting was, uh, it was painted in black and white. Durjadhan and his brothers were just uh, black and Pandavas were pure white. So the white becomes more enhanced uh, when painted against black. So their character was becoming more, more enhanced. They were so brilliant, they were so noble. They were endowed with such good qualities. That's why it is said that it is good to go through suffering. It is good to suffer because the suffering condition purifies the heart. Just as gold is purified with fire, just as fire purifies gold, suffering purifies the heart. And here Duryodhana and Pandavas are a perfect example of that. Duryodhana was pampered, a spoilt brat, because of his opulent environment, he's getting everything that he wants, he's living in such luxury and comfort, whereas the Pandavas are deprived. So this deprivation of suffering uh, made them better, better persons. They're of course better from their birth. They were actually born uh, from the potency of the demigods. They were actually the expansions of five or four different demigods. Uh, Yudhishthir Maharaj was an expansion of Dharmaraj, Jamraj. Bhim was an expansion of Pavandev. Arjun was an expansion of Indra. And Nakul and Sahadev were the expansion of Ashwini Kumar. So, <clears throat> they were I mean, by birth, they are exalted, extremely exalted personalities. But their nature also was enhanced in such a wonderful way due to the conditions that they were subjected to. And therefore we see that people, those who suffer in their life, they become good people, generally. But those who don't, they tend to become spoiled. And so Yudhishthir became so popular among the citizens that they started to express their opinion that in absence of Pandu, 
Dhritarashtra became a king. Although he should not become a king because he is blind. And a blind person could, should never become a king. Uh, but because there was no one, uh, so he became a king. So the rightful owner of the kingdom is Yudhishthir because he is the son of the king, the eldest son of the king. Pandu was the king, so Yudhishthir Maharaj is his eldest son, so he should be the king. And uh, Dhritarashtra should, should gracefully retire. So when they heard Durjodhan, when he heard this kind of discussions are going on, not only among the public, uh, but even among the quotations, the ministers and other people. So he went and complained to Dhritarashtra that... Uh, Look, people are talking like that, and hearing that, I'm just burning with anger. So let's get rid of this uh, obstacles from the path of our progress. And Dhritarashtra said, how can it be done? Well, kill them. Dhritarashtra was silent for a while. So, well, when people get to know, if they kill, then they will suspect us. So, it will be very disgraceful. No, no, we don't have to kill them like that. Get rid of them in a, in a way that nobody will understand what happened, that we killed them. How to do that? So they plotted a, a plan, a scheme. Make them attracted to a place called Baranavat, which is at the outskirt of the kingdom. And they will naturally want to go there, hearing the glory of that place, that how how auspicious, how holy that place is, and so and so forth. And then there we will build a house, a beautiful house made of fiberglass. Even those days they knew how to make houses out of fiberglass. Although in Sanskrit it has been described as the house of Shelek, house of Shelek, Jyotugriha. But uh, what is fiberglass? Uh, fiberglass is actually uh, Shelek mm. and is highly inflammable. Uh, they give the shape by putting the fiberglass, but on the outer part is shellac and it's highly inflammable it looks beautiful it looks like one can't make out uh, how it is but it's highly inflammable so we'll make a house of shellac 
and we'll invite the Pandavas to come there or rather we'll inspire the Pandavas to go there and there uh, one night we will set the house on fire and then everybody will think that they died in an accident. And he liked the idea, <laughs> Tritarashtra. So he granted that permission to do that. So Duryodhan bribed the ministers. <laughs> Though even those days there was bribing going on to bring people to their favor, to their side. And made everyone sing the glory of Varanavat. Oh, Varanavat is such a wonderful place. It's so beautiful. It's so holy. Uh, and so he started to uh, promote Varanavat. Uh, and he sent one of his ministers, Virochan, uh, an evil-minded uh, person, to go there and build that house there, house of Shelak. It's not a house, it's a palace. And then uh, Yudhishthira Maharaj became curious, interested to go there. So he told Dhritarashtra that, I would like to go there sometime. I heard such uh, glory of this place. I would like to go and see that place. So Dhritarashtra said, yeah, fine, go there, my son. And so arrangement was made. The Pandavas, along with Kunti, went there. But while they were going, Vidura told them in English language <laughs> what would happen to be careful. Mlecha uh, Bhasha. Mlecha Bhasha is, those days not many people know this English language. <laughs> I was joking. I mean, it was <laughs> the language of the Mlechas. And <clears throat> he cautioned him that this may happen. Be careful of fire. So, he said it in that language because there were people around and he did not tell them in such a way that others could also hear. And Dhritarashtra was actually worried about Vidura. Uh, he said, uh, Bhishma, Drona, Kripa, uh, they all are in our side. Uh, they all are in my side. Whatever I do, they will approve. But Vidura is a problem. He has too independent a mind and too clear a vision. Like uh, he is, he speaks uh, straight, uh, and uh, and Bidura he saw all along. He was very straightforward. You can always tell him, uh, advise him in an appropriate way. So he, Dhritarashtra was worried about Vidura, uh, true to his concern, 
Vidura told, informed the informed Yudhishthir Maharaj, and then uh, uh, they went there. They became, although they were now uh, know that uh, this was actually a conspiracy to bring them there, and it was a uh, it was something, some conspiracy to harm them. But still, they didn't externally display that. And when they were planning what to do, at least one thing they realized that we have to have some escape way. And after a few days, one person came and he said that he's a tunnel digger. He can dig a tunnel. And Vidura sent him to dig a tunnel from that palace to the bank of the Ganges so that they can escape. And so uh, this tunnel digger at night he used to dig the tunnel uh, and <coughs> Then on a specific day, actually the day, the, the, just the day before the house was to be set on fire, uh, Dhritarashtra, I'm sorry, Yudhishthir Maharaj invited people to have feast in the house. And many people came, many Brahmanas came. And also came a tribal woman with five children. And uh, they ate so much that they couldn't move. Yudhishthira was not aware of that. But it happened by the divine arrangement of the Lord that this tribal women with five children, five sons, uh, were there and they, after eating big feast, they fell asleep. And uh, Pandavas, uh, then at night, they set fire in the house. And they escaped through the tunnel. In the morning, uh, people when the people came out and saw the fire was blazing, and there was no way they could extinguish that fire. And in the morning, they found the charred body of a woman and five men, and they thought Kunti, along with five children, died. In the meantime, you'll be happy to know Birochan also got burnt in that fire with his whole family. The minister of Durjadhan also got burnt. So, <clears throat> he was about to set fire and run away, but because it happened before he was even aware of it, uh, he became a victim of that fire also. So that night, uh, they came uh, out of, they came to the bank of the Ganges and when they were thinking how to cross the river, then a boatman appeared and the boatman took them across the river. 
and they all were extremely tired and thirsty so they fell asleep uh, they were so thirsty and bhim went and fetched some water so after drinking water everyone fell asleep and bhima was guarding them so in that forest there used to be a rakshasa this forest actually was uh, predominated by one rakshasa his name was hirimba and he had a sister called hirimba and he was very delighted by getting the smell of the human body he said after a long time we are going to get some special food human flesh and he told his sister my dear sister go and fetch those human beings after killing them and together we'll have a grand feast being ordered by her brother hirimba came there and when he saw she, she saw that one woman and four men were her four children were fast asleep and one man very handsome was awake guarding just seeing him she fell in love with him and this rakshasi has the ability to transform herself like putana uh, into a very beautiful woman so she assumed the form of an extremely beautiful woman and came to bhima and started to woo him and bhima was telling i'm not interested <laughs> he said i have i am in a, guarding my mother and brothers so please don't disturb me just get lost <laughs> but she just kept on telling look <clears throat> i really have fallen in love with you <laughs> my heart is burning with desire to get you so uh, please won't you be merciful to a young woman like me <laughs> so and in the meantime it was take seeing that is taking so long for her sister to come back uh, already his mouth was salivating <laughs> so and his sister is taking so long so Hirimba uh, impatiently just came out, and there she saw her sister has assumed the form of an enchanting woman, and wooing to this human being, who she is supposed to kill and bring to him. So he became very upset, and he was about to hit his sister. Bhim couldn't tolerate that. Uh, that in front of his eyes anyone will maltreat a woman so he must stood up and said uh, 
stop there, otherwise I am going to kill you. So, <clears throat> Hirimba said, kill me? You insignificant human being? You are going to kill me? And so Bhima said, well, you may see me as whatever way you are seeing, but you don't know who I am. I am Bhimsen. He said, I am Hirimba. It's fine. <laughs> so, then Bhima huh, challenged him. Hirimba picked up a tree and started to beat Bhima. Bhima also picked up a tree and started to beat Hirimba. The trees broke, but nothing happened to them. The whole forest became devoid of trees. In that fight, they uprooted all the trees. Still nothing happened. Finally, Bhima just... His favorite way of killing somebody was he would lift that person, keep him spinning around over his head, and then smash him on the ground. And that's how he killed Hirimba. <clears throat> and so then they were leaving and Hirimba was following. So then they said that, why are you following? Just uh, go away, don't follow us. Then she approached Kunti, Mother Kunti. Kunti Devi. See, you are a woman. You will understand the condition of my heart. I have fallen in love with your son. And I can't live without him. So Kunti said, Okay, Bhima, get married to him. Get married to her. Bhima gave the reason. Yudhishthi didn't get married. How can I get married? Transgressing him. <laughs> it will be a transgression of etiquette. <laughs> Judiciaries, don't worry, get married. <laughs> so, so Bhima was then allowed to go with Hirimba. So Hirimba took Bhima into the forest, and as a result of their union, a son was born. His name was Ghatotkach. And right after his birth, he started to grow and he assumed a huge form. And he told Bhima that, although I'll go with my mother, but whenever you need me, just call me, I'll come to you. Whenever you want me. So Bhima said, fine. So <clears throat> in this way, they lived, they stayed in the forest for some time, wandering around. One day they came across Vasudev and Vasudev advised them to go to a place called Ekachakra and there live in the house of a Brahmana, disguised as a Brahmana themselves. So according to Vasudev's advice, they then went to Ekachakra village. And then there they started to stay in a house of a 
Brahmana. During the day, they would beg. The five brothers would beg as Brahmanas and then come home with all they had got there from begging and then Kunti would cook and half the portion would be given to Bhima and other half, five of them would share. So in this way they were spending their time but one day they heard that from there is some uh, conversation going on quite late at night and they could hear the sound of crying also. So uh, they became curious and they went there and they found that they are talking among themselves. The father, the the father was telling, no, no, I would go, I would go. I am already an old man. <clears throat> the mother said, look, I am a woman, what's the use of my living? So, uh, let me go. The son said, it's my duty to protect my parents, and how can I let you go? So, let me go. So, in this way, they were talking among themselves. So Kunti went and asked, what's happening? Why are you so worried? And then they explained that there was a demon, Rakshasha, called Baka Rakshasha. So this Baka was so powerful that even Indra could not deal with him. And this Baka was eating uh, coming to the village, plundering the village and eating people indiscriminately. So the village chiefs made a condition that on every month, on such and such day, they would send the offering to him. One family would offer one of the members with a whole lot of food. Now tomorrow is their turn and one of them have to go along with the food. So then Kunti said then let one of my sons go. <coughs> the Brahmana said how can I allow that to happen? He said you are my guest. My dharma, my duty is to protect my guest, not allow the guest to die on for our on our sake. And then Kunti reasoned with her that look, my son will go and kill the Rakshasha. He is so powerful that he will kill the Rakshasha. But the Brahmana said, no, no, I mean, I cannot allow that to happen. No matter how powerful he may be, but you are my guest. So then Kunti reasoned with him that, look, I am the mother. Do you think any mother would want to see that her son is going to die? 
should any mother push her son to the mouth of death? Actually, I am convinced that this son of mine can kill that demon very easily. So then finally, this way, the Brahmana family agreed. And then uh, they made all the arrangements and all this arrangement was carried in a big cart to the place where Baka was supposed to come. So it was on top of a hill that they took everything. And Baka, before even Baka came there, Bhim started to eat all the food. He was very fond of eating. So <clears throat> then Baka came and he became furious seeing that. That the offering that has come for him to eat, now he is eating his food. So he picked up a, a tree and started to hit Bhima. But Bhima was so strong and he was so absorbed in eating, he said, just a few more minutes. <laughs> let me, let me finish my lunch. And then Bhima confronted him. A terrible fight ensued as they first started to fight with the tree, uprooted trees, but then they started to fight with bare hands. They are hitting each other. Both of them were very powerful, very strong. But finally Bhima picked up Baka and what did he do? <laughs> he spun him over his head and but due to the spinning Baka's half of his life was out of his body. <laughs> And then he smashed him on the ground. Baka was dead. Bhima dragged that body and brought it to the city gate and left it there and went back to the house. In the morning, the people came out and saw that the dead body of Baka lying there in front of the city gate. So they came running to the uh, Brahmana's house. What happened? What happened? Uh, you all were supposed to have the... It was your turn last night, yesterday. And uh, how did the demon got killed? They said one Gandharva came to their rescue. And it is the Gandharva who fought with this Rakshasa and killed him. So everyone was very happy. So in this way, Bhima was and the Pandavas were staying in Ekachakra. <clears throat> One day Vasudev came to the house and Vasudev told that Drupad's daughter, Jagaseni, because she appeared from a Yajna, from the sacrificial fire. So Jagaseni is 
going to select her husband. And Vas suggested that you all also go there, you five brothers. And they also got excited hearing that there is uh, the opportunity to go and see how the princess is going to accept her husband. <clears throat> so they uh, went to the kingdom of Panchal. So that's why Draupadi's another name was Panchali. And because she was the daughter of King Drupad, she had the name Draupadi. So these were the various names of Draupadi. She was considered to be the most beautiful woman of that time. And Drupad wanted that she should be married to Arjun. Although Drupad was defeated by Arjun in a battle, when Arjun was fighting on behalf of Dronacharya, but Drupad developed an, that deep affection and attachment to Arjun. So he wanted Arjun to marry Draupadi. <clears throat> but the news actually came that Pandavas are dead. But Drupad did not believe that because he knew that Pandavas are born as the out of the potency of the demigods, so they cannot die. He was convinced about that. The Pandavas cannot die. So uh, he was still harboring the desire that Draupadi would be married to Arjun. So he made an arrangement that only Arjun could actually uh, fulfill that. There was a <clears throat> fish, golden fish, hanging high up, way up. And then midway, there was a disc rotating. And the disc had one hole. The condition was <clears throat> looking at the reflection on a pool of water, on a pot of, uh, on a pool of water in a pot, water on a pot, one has to shoot at the fish. And <clears throat> hit the target. So, uh, the kings, different kings were invited, all the kings were invited. Many of them uh, could not even string the bow. And others, uh, even though they could string the bow, they couldn't. Uh, hit the target. It was impossible for them. So, <clears throat> when everyone failed, no Kshatriya could actually fulfill that condition or hit the target the way it was arranged. Drishtadumna declared, Tropa's brother, declared that if there is 
anyone. Now first it was invited by the kings, for, for the kings to come. And then he invited that any Kshatriya who is not a king also can now come. And in that category actually came Bhishma and Karna. Karna of course became a king at that time. Ashwatthama and others. But they also could not hit the target. Bhishma came claiming that he would win Draupadi for Durjodhan. Uh, and so anyway, <coughs> in this way, uh, when everyone failed, Rendranacharya um, Dhrishtadumna declared that anyone uh, can come and uh, try to hit the target. So, when he was repeatedly asking, actually who would dare to do that, when all these extremely uh, uh, expert archers, Kshatriyas failed, who could ever do that? But Dhrishtadumna kept on urging, uh, if there is anyone, please come and try to hit the target. <coughs> Then from the assembly of Brahmanas, where Arjun was sitting, he stood up. And other Brahmanas started to ask, started to ask him, what are you doing? Where are you going? <laughs> so he said, they're inviting me to come and hit the target. So all the Brahmanas started to shout, that seeing this beautiful princess, this Brahmana got mad. <laughs> he lost his mind. And they dragged him and said, sit down. So Arjun sat down. So still Dhrishtadumna kept on urging. So he again stood up. Again they <laughs> pulled him down. Then finally, third time when he woke up, stood up and he was about to go, go being urged by Dhrishtadumna in this way, then Yudhishthir Maharaj said, if he wants to get, he, he's being asked, so if he, he can go there, ever, so many of them failed. At the most he'll fail. So what's the loss? <clears throat> and who knows? The, don't you remember the Brahmana's power is more than the Kshatriyas? Remember, Parashuram, alone he wiped out all the Kshatriyas. So don't undermine Brahmana's power. <laughs> so then they came back to say, yeah, that's true. Brahmana. <laughs> so, Arjuna went and he picked up the bow. Very easily. Oh, before that, Karna actually strung the bow. And, but at that time, Draupadi said, I don't know what his background is, what caste he is, who he is, so I'm not going to accept him. So this uh, gruntled Karna actually left. So <clears throat> Arjuna unstrung uh, the bow that Karna strung, then he restrung the bow. 
and then he picked up the arrow, remembered Krishna, and he shoot the arrow. And it went and hit the target. And everyone started to exclaim, all glory, all glory. And the Brahmanas were excited. Yeah, Brahmanas <laughs> And then uh, Draupadi uh, accepted Arjun as a husband. So at that time, all the Kshatriyas became upset. He said, they said, like, we are being humiliated by this uh, unknown Brahmana, uh, so attack him. So they all attacked Arjuna. And Bhima stood up, uh, he just picked up one tree and he started to wipe them out. Uh, Krishna was standing there with Balaram. He knew who this man was. And Krishna told Balaram that, I'm just watching to see the prowess of Bhima. And if Bhima can't deal with them, I will deal with them, <laughs> with all these demoniac kings. Here is my chakra, and I'll release my chakra to chop their heads off. But anyway, I don't think I have to do that. <laughs> so Bhima actually single-handedly practically defeated all this. And Arjun also was using his bow and arrow. And then at night, they came back to their house. They were uh, uh, staying in the house of a clay pot maker, Kumbhakar. And so when they came to the house, Yudhishthir Judish, Maharaj declared, Mother, uh, today we got an unusual uh, object by begging. So Mother said, Okay, five of you share it. So because the mother said, and the mother's word, uh, that five of them were meant to share, that's why five brothers got married to Draupadi. So Drishta Dumna and Drupad started to suspect, uh, find, to find out who this person is, who actually won Draupadi. And following them, they came to the house and uh, they were, he was listening and throughout the night they were talking about weapons and arrangement of army, arrangement of soldiers, how to create this kind of buhos or uh, phalanxes. And so he realized that these are not brahmanas. <laughs> so he was convinced that these are uh, the five Pandavas. So he went and reported to his father. So uh, father sent his men to bring them back. And everyone was so happy to know that Pandavas were still alive with Kunti Devi. And <clears throat> uh, 
So Dhritarashtra was approached by Bhishma and others and said Pandavas are alive so you have to bring them back. So uh, this is how uh, Pandavas, although they were put into difficulty, but eventually uh, they came out uh, the winner. And so then it was advised that they should give Pandavas the kingdom, half of the kingdom. So half the kingdom, how to divide it? Durjadhan planned with his father half the kingdom. So the half, the area that is useless, where we don't even go, give that area to them. And Dhritara should always listen to what Durjadhan said. And Bhishma and others also did not protest whatever, due to their respect for Dhritarashtra, the king, they did not oppose. So this is the Vedic culture. Uh, the, the line of authority is very strictly maintained. The subordinates do not oppose to the superiors. Bhishma is a wonderful example for that. Uh, and so that that part of the kingdom which was useless, it was given to the Pandavas. And Pandavas were happy just to have that. So then they uh, went there. Now when the Pandavas went there, all the Brahmanas, the noble people uh, of the kingdom, uh, and their friends, Kshatriyas, also followed them. So although it was uh, in the middle of nowhere, uh, but so many people started to come there because of the Pandavas. So that is the nature, uh, or that is the influence of efficient people, good people. That wherever they go, uh, prosperity automatically appears. In a way we see that also, like wherever ISKCON grow, goes, that place becomes uh, grand and successful. I mean we have seen Ujjain, when we came here, when we decided to take the place here, there was nothing. But now this has become the most promising part of Ujjain. And most remarkable are actually Juhu and Bhuvaneshwar. Bhuvaneshwar, the place of land that we got, and the place that we got for the temple, was literally in the middle of nowhere. You know how remote it was. That area was the hideout of the Dakwaits. And hmm, Prabhupada accepted it. And when devotees expressed their concern, Prabhupada said, don't worry, the city will shift here. <laughs> and that's what actually happened. How many of you have gone to Bhuvaneshwar temple? Have you seen huh, the place? That has become the most prosperous place. Uh, 
same thing with Juhu. When Prabhupada was planning to buy that land, Prabhupada's leading devout disciples, they were thinking that, what's the point in coming, getting this land in such a remote place? Who will come here? And as a result of that, they even gave the papers back to the owner of the land. And the owner was a cheat. He gave the land, took the money, and then he refused to give the land, giving all kinds of excuses. And the devotees gave the land back to him, gave the papers back to him. So when Prabhupada got to know that, he was furious. And he immediately came to Bombay. He was in Surat at that time. He came to Bombay and and then after a lot of struggle, Prabhupada got the land back. And today, Juhu is the uh, most uh, exclusive suburb of Bombay. Therefore, wherever you get land for building a temple of for Iskon, don't worry how remote it is. <laughs> like. Uh, the city will move there in course of time, or a new city will develop. So same thing happened with the Pandavas, like, and then uh, Maya Dhanava was indebted to Arjun because he saved his life. So Maya Dhanava told him, told Arjun, that whenever you need me, uh, please uh, call me and I'll come and help you. So Mayadhanava actually built that city. So Mayadhanava built a gorgeous city and all kinds of people, good people, started to come there. First the Brahmanas came, then the Kshatriyas came, then the Vaishyas saw a good opportunity to make money, <laughs> so they came. <laughs> so in this way, the, uh, that city became so prosperous. And then uh, Yudhishthira Maharaj wanted to perform Ashramid Yagya. So <clears throat> the arrangement and for that Krishna actually came and he advised um, that first kill Jarasandha. If you can wipe out Jarasandha, then you won't have any opposition you can very easily execute that sacrifice. So, uh, he is the biggest impediment, remove him from the path. And then we discussed, uh, I think this morning we discussed how Jarasandha was killed by Bhima. Uh, so, that uh, thorn from the path was removed. And not only that, uh, 20 uh, 20,800 kings were released and they all came in support of Yudhishthi Maharaj when he performed his Rajasri Yoga. So, <clears throat> now the Rajasri Yoga is about to be performed and different individuals took different responsibilities. Hmm. Durjadhan was given the assignment, like all the family members took up 
different areas of service. Duryodhan took up the Duryodhan service was to receive the gifts. Different kings were coming and giving gifts. So Duryodhan was receiving the gifts. Bhima uh, was in charge of the kitchen. <laughs> the food department, all the exalted guests are coming. So their arrangement for their food, their prashadam uh, was arranged, being arranged by Bhima. Hmm. Then Arjun was taking care of the elders. Uh, those elders, they are being treated with honor and respect. Hmm. In this way, different uh, uh, devotees, different personalities were given different assignments. And what was Krishna's assignments? Which assignment Krishna accepted? To wash the feet of all the guests. So this is how humble the Supreme Personality of Godhead is. Or you can say this is how dear Yudhishthir Maharaj was to Krishna. That in his uh, festival, uh, he assumed such a humble position. And in this way, <coughs> the, all the guests were received. Then after the ceremony, after the sacrifice was performed, there is a custom of honoring all the guests. And the first offer, first honor is offered to the most exalted guest, guest of honor. So they were considering who would be the, uh, who would be the guest, guest of honor. And Sahadev uh, suggested that it should be Krishna. And everyone accepted that. That yes, it should be offered to Krishna. The only person who could not accept it and openly challenged this decision was Shishupal. There's a little background of Shishupal. Shishupal was actually Krishna's cousin. And he was born with four arms and three eyes. So it was such a disgusting sight that his father decided to... Dis he saw that it was a bad sign, bad omen. So his father said, uh, discard this child. And when they were about to discard the child, there was a voice from the sky declared, don't do that, because in course of time he'll become a very powerful king. And his extra two hands and his eyes will disappear. When he is placed on the right person's lap, his two arms and third eye will disappear. But that person also will become the cause of his death. That person will also kill him. 
So hearing that, his father kept on placing him on the lap of different kings when they came. Two extra arms didn't disappear. And the third eye also didn't disappear. So he practically placed him on the lap of all the kings, but he didn't disappear. One day Krishna came to their house and playfully when he sat on Krishna's lap, his two arms and his third eye disappeared. So his mother was happy uh, that finally his two arms, uh, extra two arms and third eye disappeared. But she also recognized that Krishna will kill him. And he knew, she knew that it will be due to his offenses that Krishna may do such a thing. So she appealed to Krishna that please tolerate his offenses. Please forgive him for his offenses. So Krishna said, okay, I will tolerate his hundred offenses in a day. That will be the limit. So mother was happy that who can commit hundred offenses in a day. So, so now Shishupal, he had always was blaspheming Krishna. He just could not tolerate his name. He was so envious of Krishna. So let me see. I marked it and took it out. Would you like to hear what Shishupal had to say about Krishna? Intolerant son of Damaghosh. Damaghosh was the king of Chedi, kingdom Chedi, and he was the father of Shishupal, and he was Krishna's uncle. The intolerant son of Damaghosh became infuriated upon hearing the glorification of Lord Krishna's transcendental qualities. He stood up from his seat and angrily waving his arms, fearlessly spoke to the entire assembly the following harsh words against the Supreme Lord. 
so anyway maybe before that you can hear how Krishna was glorified <laughs> I think that will On the day of the extraction of the Soma juice, King Yudhishthir properly and very attentively worshipped the priests and the most exalted personalities of the assembly. The members of the assembly then pondered over who among them should be worshipped first. But since there were many personalities qualified for this honor, they were unable to decide. Finally, Sahadev spoke up. So, <clears throat> Sahadev said, Certainly it is Achyuta, the Supreme Personality of Godhead and Chief of the Jadavas, who deserves the highest position. In truth, he himself comprises all the demigods worshipped in sacrifices. Along with such aspects, of the worship as the sacred place, the time, and the paraphernalia. This entire universe is founded upon him, as are the great sacrificial performances with their sacred fires, oblation, and mantras. Sankha and Yoga both aim towards him, the one without a second, O assembly members, that unborn Lord, relying solely on himself, creates, maintains, and destroys this cosmos by his personal energies. And thus, the existence of this universe depends on him alone. He creates the many activities of this world, and thus, by his grace, the whole world endeavors for the ideals of religiosity, economic development, sense gratification, and liberation. Therefore, we should give the highest honor to Krishna, the Supreme Lord. If we do so, we will be honoring all living beings and also our own selves. Anyone who wishes to honor he gives to the reciprocated infinitely should honor Krishna. Anyone who wishes the honor he gives to be reciprocated infinitely should honor Krishna. The perfectly peaceful and perfectly complete soul of all beings. The Supreme Lord who views nothing as separate from himself. Sukadev Goswami continued, Having said this, Sahadev, who understood Lord Krishna's powers, fell silent. 
and having heard his words, all the saintly persons present congratulated him, exclaiming, Excellent! Excellent! The king was delighted to hear this pronouncement of the brahmanas, from which he understood the mood of the entire assembly. Overwhelmed with love, he fully worshipped Lord Krishna, the master of the senses. After bathing Lord Krishna's feet, Maharaj Yudhishthi joyfully sprinkled the water upon his own head and then upon the heads of his wife, brothers, other family members and ministers. That water purifies the whole world. As he honored the Lord with the presentation of yellow silken garments and precious jeweled ornaments, the king's tear-filled eyes prevented him from looking directly at the Lord. When they, say, when they saw Lord Krishna thus honored, nearly all who were present joined their palms reverently, exclaiming, Obeisances to you, all victory to you, and then bowed down to him, flowers rained down from above. The intolerant son of Damaghosh became infuriated and hearing the glorifications of Lord Krishna's transcendental qualities. He stood up from the seat and angrily waving his arms fearlessly spoke to the entire assembly the following harsh words against the Supreme Lord. Shishupal said, The statement of the Vedas that time is the unavoidable controllers of all has indeed been proven true, since the intelligence of wise elders has now become diverted by the words of a mere boy. O leaders of the assembly, you know best who is a fit candidate for, be for being honored. Therefore, you should not he you should not heed the words of a child when he claims that Krishna deserves to be worshipped. How can you pass over the most exalted members of this assembly, topmost sages dedicated to the absolute truth, endowed with powers of austerity, divine insight and strict adherence to, to, sev to severe vows, sanctified by knowledge and worshipped even by the rulers of the universe? How does this cowherd boy, the disgrace of his family, deserve your worship any more than a crow deserves to eat the sacred Purodosha's rice cake? So here in the purport, let me also read that. It's a very interesting thing to note. The great commentator Sridhar Swami has analyzed Sishupal's words as follows. The term Gopala means not only cowherd, but also protector of the Vedas and the earth. <laughs> so whatever Sishupal said were actually true in a real sense. <laughs> so he was not actually uh, blaspheming Krishna, but he was actually glorifying Krishna. Similarly, 
Kulo Pankshanang has a double meaning. Shishupal intended to mean the, dis the, the disgrace of his family, which, uh, which is its meaning when divided as above. But the word may also be analyzed as Ku Lopam Amsan Amsana, giving a totally different meaning. Ku Lopam indicates those who prattle with crooked words contrary to the Vedas, and Amsana derived from the verb Amsoyati means destroyer. And that means he is a destroyer of those who blaspheme the Vedas. In other words, he was, he was praising Lord Krishna as he was vanquished, who vanquishes all misguided and frivolous speculations about the nature of truth. Similarly also, Shishupal wanted to compare Lord Krishna to a crow with the words Jatha Kākaha. <clears throat> These words may also be divided Jatha or Kākaha in in that case, according to Srila Siddhar Swami, the word kaka is a combination of ka and aka, which indicates material happiness and misery. Thus, Lord Krishna is akaka in the sense that he is beyond all material miseries and happiness, being on the pure transcendental platform. Finally, Shishupal was right in saying that Lord Krishna does not deserve merely the puro dosha rice cake offered to the lesser demigods as a substitute for the heavenly beverage Soma. In fact, Lord Krishna deserves to receive everything that we possess since he is the ultimate proprietor of everything, including ourselves. Thus, we should give Lord Krishna our life and soul, not merely a ritualistic offering of rice cakes. <laughs> then Shishupal continued, How does one who follows no principles of the social and spiritual orders or a family ethics, who has been excluded from the religious duties and behaves whimsically and who has no good qualities, how does such a person deserve to be worshipped? So, <clears throat> this also uh, is true, like Krishna is beyond any social and moral ethics. Uh, he is not of this world, therefore he is, uh, family, he is beyond family ethics, who doesn't follow any family ethics. And he has been excluded from all religious duties, because he is the goal of all religious duties. Uh, so this is also has been explained here. Jajati cursed the dynasty of these Jadavas, and ever since then, ever since then, they have been ostracized by honest men and addicted to liquor. How then does Krishna deserve to be worshipped? These Jadavas have abandoned the holy lands inhabited by saintly sages and have instead taken shelter of a fortress in the sea, a place where no brahminical principles are observed. There, just like thieves, they harass their subjects. <laughs> so this also has been uh, 
has a double meaning. Uh, okay, so here there is some purport is saying the word Brahmarshi Sevita Deshan, holy lands inhabited by saintly sages, allude to the district of Mathura. Srila Prabhupada writes, Shishupal went crazy because of Krishna's being elected the supreme, first worship person in a meeting, and he spoke so irresponsibly that it appeared that he had lost all his good fortune. So, <clears throat> Sukadev Goswami continued, Bereft of all good fortune, Shishupal spoke those and other insults, but the Supreme Lord said nothing, just as a lion ignores a jackal's cry. <laughs> Upon hearing such intolerable blasphemy of the Lord, several members of the assembly covered their ears and walked out, angrily cursing the king of Chedi. Anyone who fails to immediately leave the place where he hears criticism of the Supreme Lord or his faithful devotee will certainly fall down bereft of his pious credit. Then the sons of Pandu became furious and together with the warriors of the Matsya, Kaikeya and Shanjaya clans, they rose up from their seats with weapons poised, ready to kill Shishupal. Undaunted, Shishupal then took up his sword and shield in the midst of all the assembled kings, O Bharata, and hurled insult at those who sided with Lord Krishna. At that point, the Supreme Lord stood up and checked his devotees. He then angrily sets, he then angrily sent forth his razor-sharp disc and severed the head of his enemy as he was attacking. When Shishupal was thus killed, a great roar and howl went up from the crowd. Taking advantage of that disturbance, the few kings who were supporters of Shishupal quickly left the assembly out of fear of their lives. An effulgent light rose from Shishupal's body, and as everyone watched, entered Lord Krishna just like a meteor falling from the sky to the earth. Obsessed with the hatred of Lord Krishna throughout three lifetimes, Shishupal attained the Lord's transcendental nature. Indeed, one's consciousness determines one's future birth. So, uh, this is how uh, Shishupal was killed in the assembly of... So then, huh? so this is how, huh? like as you all know, who is Shishupal? Huh? Shishupal is, huh? yeah, Jai and Vijay, who in Satya Yuga came as Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha, 
then in Treta Yuga as Ravana and Kumbhakarna and in Dwapar Yuga as Shishupal and Dantavakra. Shishupal and Dantavakra were very close associates. So uh, then Dantavakra actually attacked Krishna in order to kill him. So Krishna killed him also. So this is how, uh, like, <coughs> we can also uh, consider Dantavakra's end. So this is how Yudhishthir Maharaj. Okay, before we go into Dantavakra, maybe we can discuss what happened after that in Rajasuya Yagya. So the Rajasuya Yagya was performed successfully. Krishna himself was present there, as you as you all know, and Krishna directed. Yudhishthir Maharaj in all respects and then Krishna wanted to leave but uh, Yudhishthir Maharaj requested Krishna to stay on to stay back and so he accepted Yudhishthir Maharaj's invitation stayed on for some more time and many other relatives also were invited to stay on. And just like it happens, uh, although the festival or jagga is over, but uh, the family, close members of the family were still staying on. And Durjadhan also stayed on. But not uh, in order to have the association of Pandavas, but to check out their opponents. He was already burning with envy. Uh, he was thinking that, uh, like we gave, I uh, tried to get rid of them, but can't get, couldn't get rid of them. We uh, somehow they survived, and then they came back, and uh, our elders. Uh, suggested that we share the kingdom with them and we gave them the useless part of this kingdom and look what they have done there. I mean a kind of opulence that I can't even imagine in my remotest dream the opulence that they, are, they have here. So in this way he was burning with envy and then he also saw how Yudhishthira Maharaj performed this Rajashir Yagya and where he was being glorified by everyone in such a wonderful way. So one day Krishna and others, Draupadi and Pandavas, they were assembled there in that assembly. And 
Duryodhan just came there very agitated to complain about something. And that assembly hall had a magical feature that if an unscrupulous person, if a wicked person uh, and a liar uh, came to the assembly, he would see everything in a reverse way. Uh, like he would see the land as water uh, and water as land. So, <clears throat> Durjadhan came in and he thought it was water. He lifted his cloth and <laughs> as he tried to step into the water, he just fell flat on his <laughs> face. And it was difficult for them to control their laughter. But somehow they controlled their laughter. And then Durjadhan uh, came to the water and he thought it was land. And <laughs> he walked straight into the water and fell. This time they could control their laughter. Especially Bhima and Draupadi started to laugh. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Yudhishthir Maharaj was very worried. He immediately stood up and tried to tell everybody, don't laugh, don't embarrass him. But Krishna's don't worry, let them. <laughs> and and Yudhishthira Maharaj ordered, bring some fresh clothes for Duryodhan straight away. But Duryodhan, being insulted in this way, he was always very envious of Bhima. And the way Bhima was laughing at him and you know, sarcastically commenting about him, it just went to his heart like sharp arrows. And then he couldn't tolerate that Draupadi was laughing at him. So he just left that assembly. And he left the place. And he decided to give up his body. Uh, he was so envious that he felt that there is no need to live this life uh, because he couldn't tolerate their opulence. So then the Dhanavas came from the, when Durjodhan was about to enter into the fire that he lit to give up his body, the Dhanavas came from the lower planetary systems and prevented him. And they say, Duryodhan, don't give up hope. We are with you. And we'll make sure that you take the kingdom away from them. Don't worry, just a matter of time. And this is how they prevented him from committing suicide. And then the, these Dhanavas possessed Duryodhan and started to constantly guide him. And as you know, the next thing was Durjodhan invited Yudhishthir Maharaj to a game of dice. And a Kshatriya cannot refuse two things. When somebody challenges a Kshatriya to a fight, a Kshatriya cannot refuse. 
and when a kshatriya is invited to a game of dice, a kshatriya cannot refuse. Now Yudhishthir Maharaj was fond of playing dice, but he was not a good player. On the other hand, uh, Durjadhan's uncle Shakuni, he was a wizard in dice game. And <clears throat> so in that game, as you know, they lost, they start, Yudhishthir started to lose everything. Uh, he would stake. Uh, first he was staking gold coins, pearls, diamonds, and then he started to lose, lose, one after another, and then he got into a frenzy. Uh, he staked his kingdom, he staked his brothers, he staked himself, he staked Draupadi. And as you know, uh, Durjadhan ordered to bring Draupadi to the assembly. In front of everyone, the, the, the assembly full of all the subjects and nobilities, they ordered to strip Draupadi. And at that time, Krishna came to her rescue. So this is how we see how Krishna saves his devotees all the time. The devotee surrenders unto Krishna and Krishna takes full responsibility of his devotees. And over, over a few hours, Pandavas, who are the Yudhishthira Maharaj, was the ruler of the entire earth planet actually. After performing Rajasriya Yajna, he actually became the sovereign king of the entire earth planet. And in a few hours, he lost everything. I mean, what an amazing drama this uh, Mahabharata is, the history of the Pandavas. And they left everything and they had to go to the forest. And <clears throat> the condition was, actually they lost everything. But then, uh, they realized that something, that Krishna was in their favor and Krishna is upset and Bhishma actually advised Dhritarashtra that uh, give them their kingdom back and otherwise it will be very, very inauspicious. So although uh, he agreed to give everything back but then Durjodhana again got into another uh, condition. Okay, let's have, we'll give them back, but let them have, have one last, uh, one last round. And the condition of the last round was uh, the twelve years of exile in forest and one year's remaining incognito that nobody could recognize him. And although the condition was, whoever would lose, have to. But the thing is, Duryodhana was convinced that he was not going to lose, uh, because uh, Shakuni was a wizard in the game of dice. And so Pandavas uh, had to go to the forest for twelve years. 
and one year of remaining incognito. And they, fulf- they fulfill that. Although in another way uh, we can see that Kshatriya rules. The Kshatriyas actually have the liberty to win whatever they want. Uh, like Kshatriya Pandavas may have lost everything, but they could right there, they could have gone into a battle and win over their rights. But Yudhishthira Maharaj was so noble and so so honest that he didn't took to he didn't take to that course. Rather, when Draupadi was being humiliated in that way, Bhima was furious. He was about to destroy the whole assembly. <coughs> but Yudhishthira Maharaj pacified him. He said, "We can't do that because we are their servants now." And a servant cannot stand up against his master. I mean, what a noble adherence to the principle of ethics. And that is the grand aspect, the glorious aspect of the Vedic culture. Anyway, so uh, then (laughs) this actually leads to the battle of Kurukshetra. Eventually, we'll come to that also afterwards. But uh, today, let's end here. You have a question? Okay. Okay, so this has been answered through one incident. When Bhishma, lying in the bed of arrows, was instructing Yudhishthir Maharaj about on the principles of Dharma, then Yudhishthir Maharaj noticed that there was a trifle smile in Draupadi's lips, just a smile. So Yudhishthira uh, Bhishma asked Draupadi, why are you smiling? Draupadi's answer was, where was your wisdom when I was being disgraced in this way in the assembly right in front of you? Bhishma's answer was, at that time, My consciousness became contaminated due to eating of Durjadhan's food. But now that bad blood is drained out of my body. So now my consciousness became purified. (laughs) So this is the effect of, you know, eating the wrong food coming from wrong person. (laughs) Because even Mahajan like Bhishma because he was being maintained by Durjadhan and his clans, that his consciousness became affected. He is admitting that. 
even from the what to speak of dharmic principle even from moral principle uh, one should not tolerate an insult to a woman like as we can discussed about hirimba hirimba came and he was uh, about to hit his sister then bhim stood up he wouldn't tolerate a insult to a woman so in that way in many ways mahabharat actually doesn't give the proper uh, kshatriya principles yudhishthira maharaj was not acting like a kshatriya his nature was is kshatriya is like a lion uh, a lion's principle is he he gets whatever it wants with his own power that's a kshatriya Kshatriya, I mean, as we see, like so many princesses, when they were about to be married, Kshatriya warrior comes and says, "Well, I'm claiming her. If anybody wants, can try to stop me." Or he would, a Kshatriya king would go to a kingdom. I like your kingdom, Master King. <laughs> so either give it to me or come and have fight. And whoever wins uh, enjoys. the principle is called the birobhagga vasundhara vasundhara earth is enjoyed by the heroes in that respect might is right for a kshatriya that's the principle of the kshatriya yes the word kach kach se give it that shows his noble nature his respect for his elder brother is so deep that even at that time he is listening to him but bhima often would come out when they were in the forest in exile Bhima, time to from time to time, Bhima would come up and <laughs> just would get, uh, uh, you know, get at Yudhishthira Maharaj for his acts there. Anyway, and as I said, like through these past times, the Lord with His devotees teach us something. Uh, and what is the ultimate lesson? don't take this material nature too seriously just go through it and stick to the principle of dharma principle of morality principle of truthfulness okay looks like few other questions here boshu shreshtha das uh the sahadev who glorified krishna in yudhishthir maharaj rajasya yogyo was the son of pandu or the son of jarasandha actually jarasandha's son also was sachin uh, is this is from brajendra krishna das okay <laughs> my question is we know that once bhima drank nectar in patala loka and he therefore 
got the strength of ten thousand elephants. But how Durjodhan and Dushashan became so powerful that they could dare to challenge Bhima. Well, we have to understand that they they were Kshatriyas and they were powerful. Kshatriyas are powerful. But Bhima had more physical strength, whereas Durjodhan was endowed with greater skill. Uh, Durjodhan was more skillful. Especially in the fight of, in the, in, in using uh, clubs, in the battle of club. Okay. You have a question? Yeah. It's more descriptive, the more detailed. Uh, like uh, you can see that, you see in in one book how much can you contain. But for human ability, that's good enough. But since the demigods have greater ability, for them more detailed aspect has been given. Ananda Kanda Das Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj Dandavat Pranam Guru Maharaj, one of my devotee friend has asked that or we know that while going to Mathura Brajendranand and Krishna stayed in Vrindavan only while he while the other form of Krishna that is Mathura's Krishna when there. So why Krishna in Mathura feels pang of separation in Mathura for Vrindavan? Uh, please uh, uh, comment. And yeah, you see, it's the same personality. Uh, it's the same Krishna, like the original Krishna is the Krishna of Vrindavan and the other Krishna, Vasudev Krishna, is his expansion. So he is aware of Vrindavan aspect. Therefore he is missing that aspect. He is wishing that he could go there. Okay? Janakinath Our Acharya has written many books like Srila Jiva Goswami, Srila Rupa Goswami and Srila Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur. They are, write, they are writing many books but they have written many books but devotees usually uh, guide we, we should not read these books we should only read Srila Prabhupada's books. Otherwise, 
he'll fall down. <laughs> Guru Maharaj, what is kar- the correct understanding about this? Please enlighten. You see, <clears throat> it's like this. When you're in primary school, uh, when you're in primary class, what are you expected to read? The books of the primary. Like when you're in a primary class, if you start to read the class of the graduation course, what will happen? You won't learn anything. You'll simply uh, waste your time. So Prabhupada gave us the way it is understandable and appreciable by us. So that's why we are reading Prabhupada's books and Prabhupada has given us everything. Right? But then in due course of time, when one becomes mature enough, he will be able to read. But the point is, without reading Prabhupada's books, if you go to Jiva Goswami, isn't it a waste of time? Because we cannot understand Jiva Goswami's writing, that's why Prabhupada presented, presented it the way we can understand. And besides that, Jiva Goswami didn't write in English. Jiva Goswami didn't write in Hindi. Jiva Goswami wrote in Sanskrit. So if you want to read Jiva Goswami, first study Sanskrit. Then you can enter. Whereas Prabhupada gave it to us in English. And it has been translated into all other languages. And is it difficult to understand Prabhupada? So that's the thing. When he has given it to you in such a simple and nice way, why? Another example can be given. Say from, you are going to go from, say, Indore to Bhopal, right? So, if there is a motor car available for you, uh, why will you try to go on foot? Like Prabhupada has created the motor car for us, for our safe journey on the spiritual path. So, why should we take the arduous journey walking on foot ourselves? Uh, Make sense? Okay. Shamshundar Krishna Das, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances, etc. How do we justify polygamy for Pandavas even though Kshatriyas were allowed? Because Kunti Devi didn't say in that consciousness. It was out of ignorance of what they got. And consciousness matters the most. Mm. Good point. But you see, to understand that, we have to go back. Like, who are the Pandavas? Who is Ropadi? And why? Uh, Like, to begin with, they are not ordinary living entities. Pandavas are five demigods. And another thing is that Draupadi 
was performing to get an appropriate husband. So she was performing austerities to please Lord Shiva. So Lord Shiva came and asked, what do you want? So Draupadi in excitement, in her previous life, in excitement said, five times, I want a husband, appropriate husband. And so Lord Shiva said, since you asked for five times, these are five husbands. <laughs> so these are uh, the reasons behind why it, why it happened. Hmm. Otherwise, uh, like the Vedic culture actually, a man can have more than one wife, but one woman cannot have more than one husband. That's the Vedic culture. But here we can see the transgression of culture due to Krishna's divine arrangement. Chitahari Krishnadas. Um, thank you for us very much. In the morning class, you said that Krishna Katha extinguishes the suffering of all living entities. But we have to create a basic field for that to happen. So what is that basic field or prerequisite? Uh, the basic field is uh, the purification of the heart. Prerequisite is to develop proper consciousness. That means uh, Krishna Katha should be heard in a proper way. Uh, so, and when we do that, then what happens? Just let's just consider. When you properly hear Krishna Katha, are we hearing stories about this world or we are getting an exposure to the spiritual world? We're getting exposed to the spiritual world. And when we get to see how wonderful the spiritual world is, which is centered around Krishna, then the affairs of the material nature become insignificant. Hmm. And that is how uh, the threefold miseries are re relieved. Okay, uh, no counter question. Huh? So I have two more questions and I'll end them now. Janakinath Das. Our Acharya has written many books. Okay, I answered that. Krishna Das. Is that. Oh, that's. Okay. <laughs> uh, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please accept most humble obeisances. My question is as we know that Sandipani Muni's son got drowned in the water, so what is the destination of a person who dies after drowning in water? Will he get a ghost body or a human body? Make sure that you don't get drowned. <laughs> If at all you have to get drowned, get drowned in Krishna Katha. Get drowned in Krishna Consciousness. Get drowned in the ocean of bliss. Okay? <laughs> Thank you very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.